Welcome to the Adams Road Podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. Every week we examine a chapter from the Bible and share music filled with God's Word. You can find our weekly content by searching Adams Road Podcast on your podcast app. Let's start today by listening through Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. Saul was consenting to his death. A great persecution arose against the assembly which was in Jerusalem in that day. They were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except for the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and lamented greatly over him. But Saul ravaged the assembly, entering into every house, and dragged both men and women off to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered abroad went around preaching the word. All right, today we're in Acts chapter 8. Back to verse 1. Saul was consenting to his death. A great persecution arose against the assembly, which was in Jerusalem in that day. They were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except for the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and lamented greatly over him. But Saul ravaged the assembly, entering into every house and dragged both men and women off to prison. Here's Paul's own testimony about how he ravaged the church from Acts 26.11. And I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme. And in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. Paul's persecution of God's people was aggressive in nature. He didn't just oppose them in the public square. He pursued them with such zeal that he went house to house, ripping them from their homes and dragging them off to prison. Could you imagine if the local authorities came into your neighborhood, going door to door, searching out Christians? Any whom they found, they would kidnap and forcibly take to prison. How would we deal with that today as believers? Saul was invading the lives, privacy, and homes of Christians out of zeal for God. He actually thought what he was doing at the time was honorable, and good in God's sight. Saul had a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Jesus even prophesied that some who would be persecuting the disciples would think they were following God. Jesus said in John 16 too, They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he's offering service to God. In a different sense, I too at one point in my life was like Saul, an enemy of the cross of Christ and of God's people. I didn't know I was. I thought I was following the truth and doing what was right. But the hard truth is that I was opposing God, going door to door with zeal and, in my own way, ravaging the Christians. You see, I was a missionary for my former religion, proselytizing on the streets and going from house to house for two years in Denmark bringing a message of what I thought was salvation, but it wasn't. It was a message that, if received, brought people into spiritual bondage and turned them away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. There were people seeking for truth, looking for Jesus, desiring to know God in Denmark. Many yearned for the pure living water Jesus offers. I functioned kind of like a detour, a distraction for those sincere seekers 
I was pretending to represent Jesus and the truth, but I turned them away from the straight and narrow into obscure and dangerous paths. I was a wolf in sheep's clothing. I muddied the waters for which they yearned and magnified their sickness rather than directing them into the healing arms of Jesus. I remember a devout Muslim woman I met in Denmark who began having reoccurring dreams about Jesus. In these dreams were two men. One was Muhammad, the founder of a religion, and the other was Jesus. The clear message of the dream every time she had it, according to this woman, was that she couldn't have both men. She needed to choose one of these men to follow, and the man she needed to choose was Jesus. And so because of that, she was extremely open and seeking, wanting to know more about this man, Jesus, and why she needed to follow him instead of Muhammad. So we met her with names on our badges that read, The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So naturally, she thought that we'd be able to tell her about Jesus and perhaps direct her towards the true way. We thought we were ambassadors for Christ and gladly taught the woman about the Jesus of our religion and the way of salvation our religion prescribed. She ended up joining our church. I think of what Jesus told the Pharisees. They weren't entering the kingdom of God themselves while they prevented others who would. Jesus said in Matthew 23, 13 through 15, But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte, and when he has become a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. You see, I believe the Holy Spirit was inviting and leading that woman to Jesus through those reoccurring dreams that she was having. And here I came along as a challenge and detour on her path to Jesus and introduced her to a false Christ. I pray with all of my heart that she has since found the real Jesus and come to know him personally. When I came to know the real Jesus, it was a painful and devastating revelation to realize the role I played as an enemy of Christ. But when I acknowledged and confessed my sin before Jesus, it was met with mercy, grace, and forgiveness. The result of this undeserved bestowal of His love on me was a newfound conviction, passion, and desire for sharing the incredible mercy and grace of the biblical Jesus with people. Jesus healed those wounds and the guilt. And now as a Christian and follower of Jesus, he's instilled in me a heart of compassion towards the lost and redirected my former and ignorant zeal under a false religious system into fruitful labor for the kingdom of Christ and the power of his spirit. Saul was a zealous enemy of God, but when God got a hold of him, he became a passionate and zealous missionary for the gospel. I horribly regret those ignorant actions but I'm grateful to know that Jesus has since forgiven me and given me a second chance. Now as a Christian, I desire with even greater zeal to see people come to Jesus and be freed from the bondage of sin and false religion. And I pray that those sincere seekers of God whom I met in Denmark end up coming to know the true Jesus of the Bible, despite the ways in which I misdirected them at the time. 
Okay, let's move on. Acts 8, verse 4. Therefore, those who are scattered abroad went around preaching the word. God takes what seems like a bad thing here and makes good out of it. This scattering was a good and necessary thing as it compelled the early Acts church to go beyond Jerusalem to share the gospel abroad. Saul and the Jews meant this for their harm, but God used it to grow the church even more. Ever made a glass of lemonade but neglected to stir it really good? Like all of the sugary goodness was sitting at the bottom, you take a sip and all you taste is the sour lemon. If you did nothing, you'd get to the bottom and then it'd be like too sweet. Typically, you'd take a spoon and stir the drink so the sugar dissolves throughout and every bit of it is perfectly sweet. Jesus says his people are like the salt of the earth or the light of the world. We are those things because of Christ in us. God wanted his people to spread throughout all the land with the gospel, even to the Samaritans and beyond to the Gentiles, so that like those in Jerusalem, the rest of the world could also taste and see that the Lord is good. I love how the church's response to the scattering persecution was to preach the word all the more. The Apostle Paul was likewise an opportunist. Consider how he responded to his imprisonments. Paul wrote to the Philippian church during his imprisonment saying, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. What's our hardship? How can we make it be for Christ? I pray God gives us such determination and boldness that we don't let opposing forces intimidate or hinder us from doing what we're called to do. How can we respond positively to difficult and trying scenarios? How can we endure hostility while remaining faithful and obedient to Christ's commands? How can the trials even possibly redirect or redefine what we're doing for Christ for the better? We need the strength of the Holy Spirit. We need prayer. We need perspective and wisdom from God. And we need to be flexible, able to adjust to the circumstances in a way that doesn't make us cower from the call, but in a way that enables us to persevere in it. Why is it often at our lowest points, in the most difficult of circumstances, is when God chooses to really work through us and bear fruit? I remember as a Christian years ago, a season in which I was under a strong disciplinary hand of the Lord not from men, but directly from the Lord. But the tumult and the strain and emotional and physical difficulties of that season somehow yielded miraculous results. I felt closer to the Lord then than I almost ever had. And He was working in and through me in a fresh way and directed changes in my life that have since borne fruit for God. I can imagine in a similar way, but on a much larger scale and corporately, the early church would come out of their persecution fires refined. Jesus told Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 through 10, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, 
persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The early church in Acts 8 were strong in Christ in the midst of the persecutions they faced. Persecuting the true disciples of Christ and binding them in prison, binding them to salvation. I did not believe in the cross. I thought I was in the light, but I was in the dark. I believed I was doing the work of God. In the way I was taught, I did not preach the cross or to those who are perishing. It's foolishness to preach the
That was Enemy of the Cross from the Adams Road album, Enemy of the Cross. Let us not grow weary of doing good. Let us all be ready in and out of season to reprove and rebuke with complete patience to boldly preach God's word and tear down the myths we shine his light to the world a lamp put on the stand for all to see when we're reviled and cursed we're sanctified
does not grow weary doing good. That was Hated for Christ from the Adams Road album Book of Life. This is the Adams Road Podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. You can learn more about us at AdamsRoadMinistry.com. Again, that's AdamsRoadMinistry.com. We release a new podcast episode every Saturday. Feel free to join us next week as we examine Acts chapter 8, verses 5 through 12. Grace and peace be with you all.